Good afternoon. I'd like to call to order the administration of the Board of Supervisors for Personnel Administration Legislative Committee for today, March the 6th. Uh, we are open for business so people can attend in person. Uh, and a state of emergency has been lifted by the county and also by the state of California. Uh, and so we'll proceed as we have in the past before the, the pandemic. First item that we have on the legislative agenda is the legislative update. Before we take that update, is it okay to take roll? Yes. Okay. Supervisor Tam? Present. Supervisor Carson? Present. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you reminding me. Goes back to the old thing I just mentioned earlier. Um, so the first item that we have is the federal legislative update. Good afternoon. You have uh, Kevin and Emily here with CJ Lake. Uh, we'll jump in with the schedule. Both the House and the Senate are in session this week. Uh, one of the first items we wanted to provide an update on was the just giving you a quick update on the current state of play here in Washington, D.C. Uh, both congressional chambers returned to session last week after the winter recess with a focus on, in the House on the annual appropriations process and the long list of administration oversight hearings and investigations. The focus in the Senate remains uh, and on, in with the administration remains on judicial nominations and administration nominations. The divided Congress is expected to yield a light legislative year, despite the expirations of several critical authorizations, uh, such as the debt, the debt limit ceiling, the Federal Aviation Administration FAA program reauthorization and reauthorization of the Farm Bill. Um, while activity will begin on these items, we will not be surprised if Congress will pass short term extensions throughout the year. Also, just wanted to give a quick update on the state of the Senate. Uh, the Senate recently expanded its Democratic majority um, by one seat. So organizing for the 118th Congress was a bit easier this year as committee ratios and other operational issues uh, no longer had to be negotiated under memorandums of understanding with Minority Leader McConnell. However, that process did take quite a bit of time as freshman senators needed to be added to committee assignments and there was some waiting on the House to get through their assignments as well. Uh, the Senate remains almost exclusively focused on those nominations, as I mentioned. And the, um, right now, there is a power split of 48 Democrats. There are three independents and 49 Republicans. Uh, the three independents, Senators Sinema, Sanders, and King, um, all voted for Majority Leader Schumer to serve as Majority Leader and are caucusing with the Democrats. Uh, but also just want to reference that... Uh, we're have, there's some issues with, uh, with attendance. Um, Senate Democrats face a bigger challenge in their caucus because if any member is out, that uh, majority certainly shrinks. Um, just past this past week, there were three Democratic senators that were absent due to health issues. Again, this will re uh, reiterate just how fragile their majority is. Senator Feinstein was recently hospitalized with shingles and will not be, will not be in D.C. this week with a return date still uncertain, and Senator John Fetterman of Pennsylvania was, is absent for the foreseeable future as he undergoes treatment for clinical depression after admitting himself into the Walter Reed Medical Center. There's still no timetable for his return. Also last week, Senator Jeff Merkley had to leave Washington um, to tend to his family as his mother passed away. And additionally, I would just mention that Senator Bob Casey of Pennsylvania is dealing with prostate cancer. He had surgery last week and may miss some additional time. All this just to be said is that right now, the majority of both chambers is very thin and uh, having absences can certainly um, have an impact on how things progress. Uh, also just wanted to note 
um, in terms of the, the Biden-Harris administration. Um, Marty Walsh at the Department of Labor is now the first cabinet secretary to announce his departure from the administration. Uh, the president has nominated the deputy secretary, Julie Su, previously, uh, who served as the secretary for California Labor, Labor and Workforce Development Agency uh, to replace him. Um, additionally, earlier this year, the White House chief of staff, Ron Klain, left his role and was, uh, and was replaced by uh, Jeff Zins. And as we enter this third year of the administration, we do expect some increased turnover in the administration. Um, happy to pass it over to Emily now to talk a little bit about the uh, FY24 presidential budget and the appropriations process. Thanks, Kevin. So as Kevin mentioned, it really has been kind of a slow start on the legislative front for a variety of reasons. But I think people feel like with the um, president's budget request coming out this Thursday, March 9th, that's really going to kickstart kind of certainly the appropriations process and the budget process. Again, you know, this is usually a wish list for any president and it, their spending priorities, um, but it will almost certainly be dead on arrival in Congress. Um, the House Republicans are planning to put together their own budget resolution, which Speaker McCarthy intends to introduce on April 15th. Um, and again, this for the president's budget request officially starts the budget cycle. Um, and so then the appropriations committees will begin to hold hearings um, and they'll call up various um, department uh, secretaries uh, to discuss their respective budgets. Um, regarding appropriations, and I know we talked a little bit about this last week, but the House Appropriations Committee did release its FY24 appropriations member guidance, governing members programmatic language and um, community project funding request, or what used to be known as earmarks. Um, all but... Um, Five Republicans opposed the FY23 omnibus due to its package nature and its overall level of spending. So, because of that, um, you know, there the the House GOP's opposition to flat or increased domestic spending will complicate the FY24 appropriations process. Um, you may remember Speaker McCarthy agreed to cap discretionary spending at FY22 levels as a concession to becoming Speaker. Um, the Senate has already said, "Look, we didn't agree to that," and I know. Um, House Appropriations is saying this is going to be very difficult to do. Um, House Appropriators will need to reduce discretionary spending in FY24 by at least $130 billion just to maintain that FY22 capped level. So I think things are going to get very tricky before they can finalize any bills. And of course, the debt ceiling will also need to be raised, which I think could become linked to appropriations at some point. But I want to go back to kind of the community project funding deadlines. Um, Senator Feinstein is next Monday, March 13th. Uh, Swalwell and DeSaulnier are the 15th. Uh, I believe Congresswoman Lee is the 16th and uh, Kana is the 17th. So we are working with the CAO's office as they've, um, you know, done some outreach to uh, departments um, and uh, the board to get a sense of what, if any, um, community project funding priorities may be out there. So We'll continue to work on that to in order to hit all of those deadlines. Um, and that is our report for today. Happy to answer any questions you may have. Uh, thank you for that report. Um, I am probably not uh, familiar with this process, but we have an upcoming agenda item uh, requesting $600,000 for um, the uh, mobile enrollment uh, units, and uh, you mentioned one, two, three, four uh, 
representatives within our delegation with their respective budget deadlines. How, how do we fit into um, that process with, for example, this upcoming request? So that one in particular, we actually submitted to Senator Padilla's office. I believe the deadline was Friday. So we got that request in there um, on behalf of the county. Um, and so uh, we worked with social services and with the CAO's office um, to get all the details for that. And in fact, uh, Padilla's state staff uh, was aware of it as well and suggested that we submit it. So um, that's how that one fits in. We honestly haven't discussed uh, whether we will submit it to individual members, but it did go to Senator Padilla. Okay, thank you. The works issue. Oh, the mobile unit. Okay, got it. Um, I, how how does the um, delaying of the filing of the federal taxes factor in all of this? Has there been any discussion about? Um, kind of what the impact of that may be in terms of receipts for from the federal filings or what? Or is there, how much measurable impact might there be? You know, honestly, I haven't heard any members really talking about that as a, a concern. Um, I think we already know that, you know, we'll hit the debt ceiling at some point this summer. I think now it could even be late summer. So I don't know that that's necessarily going to impact it and move it up at all. Kevin, I don't know if you have heard anything different than that no that 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 sounds about what i've what i've heard and I, you know I, I do know that there are concerns about receipts coming in and what that what the revenue impacts will have uh for trying to uh, as a piece of that puzzle of, of fy24 appropriations but but nothing more than that okay thank you any questions from anyone online or anyone in the public regarding the federal legislative update. There are no speakers. Okay, thank you. Uh, with that, we'll move to uh, state legislative update, political solutions. Yeah, good afternoon, Monica Miller with the political solutions team. Thanks as always for having us. Um, briefly, actually, Supervisor Carson, I'm going to open up with the answer to a question you may have and Supervisor um, Tam with regard to uh, the state budget. The governor did declare last week he's, um, that we would also, we being California, excuse me, would also push out our income on taxes uh, filing to October 15th as well. So it's, as long as you are a community that has been impacted by the major storms that we've had throughout the state of California, Alameda County is one of those um, um, counties that would qualify. Um, and we're still trying to ascertain what that's gonna mean for our May revise. If you recall in the past, the May revise has been an update after the April receipts of where we are financially, um, particularly as we are looking at, at a minimum of $22.5 billion deficit. So in conversations we've had, um, we're uncertain on how you know, the state's gonna be able to put together their budget with complete uncertainty of what our fiscal picture is gonna look like. So we will definitely continue to keep you and your staff updated on that um, as those conversations unfold. Um, I don't know if there's any questions on that, and if not, I can go into the rest of the report. Uh, yeah, I was reading uh, some material around that over the weekend, yesterday in particular, and uh, some pros and cons. Um, on, on one level, um, because of the structure and the way that the dollars flow in, into, uh, into California, the, 
they didn't think, based on current trends, that it should have a real substantial impact on um, California's uh, finances. But um, they did think that, given the delay, it, it opened up the door for the legislature to kind of tinker around with legislation under the guise of maybe not having sufficient funds or evaluating what that impact would be until those dollars uh, are realized. Um, you know, they did not, at least in the article, see that we had to go out to to borrow in order to make up a deficit that I guess the last time we did that was I don't know, 2018 or whatever it was that we borrowed. We don't have to do that. But they did think that it might have an impact on legislation that was being proposed um, from a political perspective and from a reality perspective in terms of the ability um, to have the dollars for whatever programs are being um, would, would be passed. Mm -hmm. So in California, we do constitutionally, the legislature must send a budget to the governor by the June 15th deadline. That does not mean the governor has to sign that particular budget. We have seen that in the past. Recall, this is something that was implemented during the budget negotiation several years ago, um, where we also changed term limits and went back to the voters on, on that particular change. So, um, so you know, there are lots of scenarios, for example, we, none of this is all speculative at this point, but we could, you know, see potentially the legislature sending a, a quote unquote balanced budget to the governor, the governor, you know, vetoing said budget. Um, and then from there, they could negotiate, go into the fall, which we've seen as well, he could call a special session. So there are lots of tools in that toolbox that they can utilize um, as they continue to try and, um, you know, get through this this uncertain, um, uncharted territory that we're in with regard to both the state and the federal um, tax filing extensions. Again, this is only applicable to 48 counties, not all 58, um, but still that's a pretty significant hit because it will be, I'm not sure if it hits all urban counties, but um, it, it's going to hit many of the larger counties for sure. So um, so we'll definitely keep you updated on, on what that looks like um, and, and how those dollars go out the door, keeping in mind that, you know, we still haven't gotten money out the door from last year's budget on a number of programs. So as you mentioned, Supervisor Carson, it could be just a matter of, you know, this is how we're going to put the budget together, but we'll just have delayed, you know, starts getting those money, those dollars out the door and just do what we have to necessary um, from a necessary standpoint to keep you know, keep all the, the trains running on time. So like I said, it's something we'll be watching closely and keep you updated. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. So, and then, you know, with regard to the rest of our report and apologies for starting there, I just wanted to address that knowing that it was a top of mind. Um, so briefly, the legislature is in, um, you know, the thick of it, it's you know, second week of March. Um, bills are starting to be set in committee hearings. Amendments for spot bills were due a couple weeks ago. So now anything that was a spot bill that is intended to move this year would have to be in, in um, a more structured shape um, in terms of policy. So uh, policy committees could request those pieces of legislation through rules committee. So um, we are reading amended bills as well, um, sending out uh, regular reports to your staff to make sure that we are capturing um, issues of importance to the county um, as they do business. Um, 
we we are in the starting the process um, like we normally would have, but haven't in the last few years of getting our budget subcommittees going, um, hearing those um, items that the governor has put forward in his January proposal. Also, the legislature has um, is leadership. Leg the legislative leadership is you know um, ascertaining what their priorities priorities excuse me are going to be. Um, one of which is protecting the middle class. That's something that um, the legislature feels like they've, they've gotten the squeeze uh, most often through a lot of, um, through the last few years and haven't really received any um, any um, any help. And as a result, they'd like to try and protect the middle class. Um, you know, as we look at budget agendas, again, we'll work with your staff and see what that looks like. We do have two pieces of legislation that the county is sponsoring, the first of which is AB 922, and this is being carried by your assembly member, um, Wicks, and this bill in particular would um, allow for the state to create a pilot program over the next three years that would um, work with community-based organizations and your local restaurants to um, feed the unhoused communities. You currently have some great programs on the ground in Alameda County, and, um, and one of them brought this forward and really has demonstrated the ability to be able to, um, to really do some good in the community with regard to this legislation and feed our unhoused, as well as bringing some income, much needed income into our restaurant um, communities. And so, and, and quite frankly, keeping some restaurants open on that otherwise would have um, closed their doors, therefore keeping jobs on the ground. Um, this legislation would um, allow for both Alameda County as well as one other county. We are in conversations with other counties to see if they're interested um, and if they have programs that could apply because this would be a grant-based program. It would not be um, a single source, sole source contract out to one community-based organization should the legislation become law. There is a funding component to it as well. Um, it would be $6 million on both the budget request um, and the legislation has been introduced and is moving and the budget request has been submitted to the, the various budget committees um, as necessary. Um, the other piece of legislation is AB 1313 by Assemblymember Ortega, um, who's newly elected to the California State Legislature. And this particular piece of legislation would um, allow for a pilot program as well and working with the Department of Aging um, at the state level and your social services agency to um, to obtain $6 million. It would be distributed back to Alameda County. We've partnered with Sonoma County and Marin County. Um, and then it would be distributed on a, a population base um, that would allow for your uh, social service agencies to work with on um, individuals that are not Medi-Cal eligible, but are just at that line as part of our aging community and provide programs such as case management, um, linkages, et cetera. So really providing that lifeline that disappeared in the 2008-2009 budget. Um, and so trying to do some rest um, restoration there. We um, have had some good conversations over the fall with both legislative leadership, the governor's office, as well as the California Department of Aging um, and members of your delegation and, and are very pleased to, um, to have the support and um, the, the joint sponsorship with both Marin and Sonoma counties. Um, in terms of deadlines, 
We are on, you know, again, it's, it's March. We're starting to get thick into the policy, thick into the budget. They will have their spring recess the week before on the Easter Sunday. And, um, and when they come back, they will then look to the May revise, which is due out May 14th. Um, and then budget subcommittees will start to close up. Bills will make it to the second house. Um, if they're successful, it is the first year of a two-year session. So they could in fact um, be held um, should that be um, should that be necessary given you know, continued negotiations, not sure what they want to do with the legislation, et cetera. We did see the largest percentage of bills um, that we've ever seen introduced this year, particularly the first year of a two-year session with a thousand, it's about 2,600 introduced with a thousand of those being spot bills. So those will begin to surface into a more um, structured policy. So that is our report for today. Happy to answer any questions and thanks for your time. Um, thank you, Chair Carson. Um, just to clarify, so the May 14th, May revise, that's going to be based on the projected deficit of $25 million, excuse me, billion dollars at this point? So how what they'll do, um, Supervisor, is they'll look at, um, in the governor's budget, the January 10th budget was based on the $22.5 billion deficit. So, so if you looked just at his at Governor Newsom's budget and said, this is the budget we're adopting, which has never happened, that's just the starting point of the conversation, um, then you could get an idea of where his priorities are. The legislature then offers up their priorities and the negotiations begin. Um, so what they've done is, if you, if you recall, last year we had a $99 billion surplus. And two things, this $22.5 billion is actually... Department of Finance would describe it as a correction. So um, we're finally going to start to see just some, some I, I don't want to say regular, but just some regular budgets, no significant surpluses, no significant deficits. So finally, you know, kind of writing that ship after how many years have we gone, you know, if the governor called it an EKG machine, you know, the ups and downs um, in his presentation. And so, um, so he looked at, you know, doing some deferrals, doing um, some bonding versus paying cash for capital outlay pro programs, et cetera. So it's just a matter of coming together and determining with the legislative leadership on, you know, what their priorities will be in the end of the budget that may revise is just an updated version of his January 10th budget. Okay. Um, appreciate that. Um on uh, AB 922 and uh, 1335, are we expecting any opposition from any part of the different groups on the, these two pieces? No, we, we don't anticipate that at this point. Obviously, you never know until you put a piece of legislation out there. Um, but having said that, you know, with um, AB 922, it was always intended, but definitely listened at the when the PAL adopted this proposal. Um, so it could move forward to ensuring that it was um, a grant-based program. So, um, so it wasn't again a sole source contract to one um, uh, CBO. So we thought that was really important, and that was always the intent. But we did clarify it based on the conversations that were had at that PAL committee by some of your constituents. So we don't anticipate any opposition there. Um, the program's been very successful in Alameda County and other counties, San Francisco, Los Angeles. So it's just a matter of do those counties want to join us and is there enough money to go around because the budget is finite. Um, with regard to 1313 by Ortega, 
We don't anticipate any um, opposition there either. Um, we actually um, we actually have worked to um, to ensure that um, we've secured support in advance from the Welfare Directors Association, from the C4As, which are the area agencies on aging, um, and, and talking with other interested parties to um, to secure that support. So, um, but we'll definitely keep a close eye on that. But again, you know, good programs have had some great conversations over the fall prior to the bill introductions. Okay, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Any questions from anyone online or the public on on the state legislative update? There are no speakers. Okay, I want to go back to the federal legislative uh, position. Uh, there's a, a district request for mobile office enrollment vehicles uh, that's uh, being recommended by uh, Andrea Ford, Director of Social Service Agency. I don't know if there's anyone who wants to speak to that or if there's any questions or comments on that. Otherwise, uh, it will be advanced to the board. There are no speakers. Okay. Uh, I, is there any public comment on anything that is not on today's uh, PAL agenda? There are no speakers. Okay. Uh, would we give an opportunity for people who would like to identify themselves as attending this meeting? Um, you can do so at this time in person and online. Good afternoon, Supervisors. Lynn Peralta, Alameda County Social Services Agency, Policy Director. Laura Loy, County Administrator's Office. Thank you. Rebecca Wegley, Alameda County Probation. Thank you. Good afternoon, this is Honor Esquiza, First Five, Alameda County. Appreciate it. Good afternoon, this is Eileen Ng with the Alameda County Healthcare Services Agency. Thank you. There are no other speakers. Okay, uh, with that, uh, the Personnel Administration Legislative Committee meeting for next week, next Monday, which is March the 13th, 2023, is canceled. So we won't have that meeting for next Monday the 13th. Uh, the next time that PAL meets will be on Monday the 20th, 2023. So no meeting next week. The following Monday, the 20th of March, we will have resume uh, PAL committee. With that, I want to thank everybody, the clerk of the board, for the fantastic work you do and for everybody attending and participating in today's Meeting, we're adjourned. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you.